All right, good morning once again, Life House. How is everyone doing? Turkey coma still? Y'all in turkey coma still? Man, I am not even lying. I sincerely probably had about 17,000 calories over the past three days. Like, it was absolutely crazy. And um, I have pretty much said bulking season is, is pretty much right, like, right now. You know, I have just thrown, thrown out trying to actually eat somewhat healthy. And what I've said is this is bulking season now. From now until December 3rd. 31st, it's bulk, eat everything you can, Cinnabons, whatever I see. I'm on a seafood diet. Let's let's eat, party, and give Jesus glory for all this food that we've had. Amen. The church said amen. Hallelujah, right? It's awesome, man. Hey, so um, first off, first-time guests. Lifehouse family, can we just, just give it up really, really quick for all of our first-time guests with us today? We are so glad you are a special guest here. If it is your first time echoing my beautiful wife. Um, please fill this card up for us. I promise that we will not try to sell you Lou LaRoe. Is that how you say it? Lula LaRoe or is it Lou LaRoe? Whatever, okay? We won't try to sell you nothing. We promise. All right, turn the card in. We want to give you a free first time, uh, a free first time gift, and thank you for being with us today. Today, we're finishing out our the Church Is series. We've done it for about the past three or four weeks. I can't remember. Uh, I think this is the fourth or fifth week. I would encourage you to go online and check out our podcast or YouTube channel and see previous sermons. What this sermon series has basically been is a, a sermon series on our core values as Lifehouse Church. We know our goal is to take the church from, from being a joke to being a... Hope. And what we have done is pretty much I identified five core values as a church that will, that will propel us forward in, into the vision that God has for us. And that is to help all people, all, everyone say all, all people experience life change through Christ. Because here is the deal. If church is just church and churches is, is, is just coming on Sundays and people are not experiencing the life-changing power of Jesus Christ what the heck are we doing right like what are we doing so so basically as a church we have said this we are going to design our church to to be a church that helps all people and we don't care who you are your background what you're struggling with where where you came from what you're doing currently we want to help all people including you experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So we've gone through four, through five core values. Today we're, we're going to cover our sixth, and then next week we are, we, are, we are starting a brand new sermon series called A Random Christmas. A Random Christmas. I know this. We have prettied the Christmas story up. Our culture puts it's just so nice and beautiful. Jesus laying in this beautiful, beautiful manger, the wise men, and it's it's just kind of just this beautiful scene. I don't know if you've really thought about this. The Christmas is random. A pregnant virgin, a teenage husband, no place for God in a hotel. Like it's 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 just completely Random. So, so next, so next week, we're, we're we're going to be taking a hard, in-depth look 
at basically how random the Christmas story was, and through that, help us see in our completely random lives how God is working out his plan and purpose in us and through us. Amen? So, so come out and bring somebody next week. It's going to be awesome. All right, so how many people here, let me turn my phone off. Hopefully that was Jesus calling. Nope. Arizona Cardinals, Jaguars later. This is giving me a, this is giving me a reminder. The Jaguars are seven and three, by the way, in case you didn't know. Any Jaguar? I, I actually met somebody. This is God. Let me share this. Let me share a testimony with you really, really quick. I met somebody before service that comes to our church that was a sports reporter down in Jacksonville that covered the Jaguars just last year. The Lord is good, and his mercy endureth forever. He's good. I'm like, dude, we're friends. I don't care if you like me or not. We have just become friends. Like, we need to talk, get together, have some coffee, go down to Jacksonville or something. That is God. Thank, thank you, Lord. Anyway, all right. Sermon series, church, churches, here we, here we go. Did, you know what I have really, really learned is this, that sometimes the best, the best learning that you can actually do isn't when you actually learn new, new information. It is when you unlearn old information, things that you have possibly been taught, that you kind of grew up with, um, that seemed good as a kid and kind of seemed to make logical sense then. But as you grow older, you kind of see, you know, I don't know if that was right. I don't know if that was actually true. And I don't know if, there, if this happens anywhere else more than in the church. Anyone here grow up in church? Let me church, church folk here. We've got some church, church folk here. Um, so I grew up, um, my mom, she, she got saved, um, like, right as I was born, like, somewhere right around there, and she got, like, radically saved, like, like, like she, um, she got radically saved, she was watching Jimmy Swaggart on television, and had her life radically changed by Jimmy Swaggart, and then went to a, to a really Pentecostal church, and got the fire, y'all know what I'm saying, she got the fire, of God. And she was radically saved. And what this meant for us kids, it meant no, no He-Man toys. All of those He-Man toys, pop the heads off of them things, no more He-Man figure, no more He-Man figurines at all. That meant no more eating Lucky Charms. Because you know there's demons in that Lucky Charms box. Those leprechauns, I'm telling you. You eat them marshmallows, you eat in hell. I'm but like she like she like no cartoons like it, it was like bible man salty it 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 turned into like you're going to be saved and you're going to like it john like there's no option like this is what is going to come of your of, of and, and it was even worse for me and let me tell you why she managed a christian bookstore so we ain't have nothing that wasn't Christian. Shirts, I mean, I probably had Christian underwear. Like, I probably had Christian socks. I'm, I mean, me, I was homeschooled, so I was weird. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you're homeschooled. Homeschoolers have gotten so much cooler than when I was home homeschooled. Just, just let me throw that out, out there, man. Like, like homeschoolers now, they actually have times where they can go and, and actually talk to other kids and all that stuff. I'm like, why, why ain't we had that stuff when I was a homeschooler? It was, it, was, it was this one night, homeschool skate night, once a month. That's when you had to find a daggone girlfriend. You know, it's just the one homeschool skate night, right? But, man, like, yo, know, it was like... Like, they even had Christian breath mints. Have you seen these things? Test, test, uh, testaments. <laughs> Where literally, it's like you open it, and it's a Christian breath mint. It's got like a Bible verse on the mint as you throw it in your mouth. Mm, I'm eating the word of God, you know? It's like, it's like what? You know, but, and, it was, and it was like, so that's what I grew up in. I don't know if anyone else here kind of grew up in that, like, real Christian culture-ish um, environment. And, uh, you know, here, here, here it is. Looking back on it, I see what, what, what my family was trying to really put in me and what really want to, uh, to uh, accomplish was, hey, honor Christ, right? And I, and I mean, you know, that's what they were trying to actually put in me. But, you know, but at the same time, growing up, you really learn that, um, or what I think I subconsciously learned through all of this kind of like Christian onslaught and Christian um, teachings and, and kind of just like Christian everything, and, and, and really what it became is kind of its own culture. It was, it was kind of like, all right, stay away from these bad people, only use Christian stuff, and that is what makes you and will keep you from catching the sin that these bad people have. Let's kind of separate ourselves. Let's have a Christian skate night. Let's have Christian clothes. Let's have Christian breath mints. Let's have Christian music. Let's have Christian t-shirts. Let's have Christian characters. Like what, what I kind of, you know, what I kind of, as I got older, learned that pretty much as I've gotten older that I've had to unlearn is that just because there's a Christian label on it doesn't make that particular thing Christian. And although we can try to kind of compartmentalize ourselves as Christians and try to keep us from all of those sinful things, what I, what I really, really learned is that what, is what that actually does is that puts Christians in their own little bubble and really in their own culture and keeps them from, from the very people that Jesus called them to reach. And it's, it's kind of like, I kind of like grew up and then once I saw, man, not every kid doesn't cuss. Like, like. Y'all, I was like, oh, y'all, y'all look at that? It, w- it was kind of just like, whoa. Like, I, you know, it was kind of like I went from this really Christian culture into a not really Christian culture at, at a Christian school. <laughs> and I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> this is sort of a little bit different. And honestly, I really wasn't prepared. Honestly, looking back on it, I was sort of a little sheltered. I had no idea how to actually assimilate or be in 
a place where there were people that didn't know Christ. And really, unfortunately, I really believe the church has done a great job of trying to separate themselves from culture. And, and, and really what they've done is they have created a Christian culture that separates them from the very people that Jesus called Christians to reach. Do you guys see that? We can try to get so in our own little bubbles that we actually miss the people that God called us to. So basically this, guys, what we have said, as, as a church... We're not going to be scared to be for our city. That, that, that's our sixth value is this. We are for our city. Essentially meaning this. We're not going to run from the city and its, and its culture and its problems. Actually, as, 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 and actually, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to run towards the city and towards its problems, because we've got the answer. We've got the hope. We actually have the motivation from Jesus himself that came and, guess what, left his comfort zone in heaven and came down into our problems, that came down into our stuff, left his good old Christian culture. Jesus was in a heavenly culture. He was up in heaven chilling. There wasn't nothing bad there, nothing wrong. He said, I'm going to leave my good, comfy heavenly culture and i'm going to go down to where people are in need they've got hurts they've got issues they've got sin i'm going to leave all of that to come down here and i'm going to live with them and show them what god is like and in the same way jesus said i'm not going to stay there the church cannot stay in in our nice comfy christian bubbles when Check it. There's a whole culture of people out there dying and going to hell. In the same way Jesus left his comfy culture and came down into earth, the church of Jesus Christ, corporately and individually, is called to leave our comfort zones and get out and seek after those who don't know Christ. The example is Jesus. And what does that, and what does that mean for us? We are for our city. Meaning this, we want people to know Christ, yes, but also, too, we are going to actively engage in, in this city, not just to give it spiritual, not just to give it Jesus, but, but to also say, how can we overall make this city a better place to live, work, and build families in? Amen? The Bible. I love the Bible. Anyone here love the Bible? The scripture um, shows us, I think, mainly, one of the main things Scripture shows us is this. People haven't changed. People have been people since people were people. People, people, people. Genesis chapter, ch- chapter 3, the creation story. God creates this amazing world. He tells Adam and Eve, eat whatever you want. All trees, they, they open, eat them. Pomegranates, grape tree. I don't know if gro- trees grow on grapes or grapes grow on Whatever. Apple trees, orange trees, peaches, eat whatever you want. But there's only one tree that, that, hey, look, just stay off of that one. Right? Satan comes and he takes Adam and, and Eve and basically tells them, God has you in a prison. Why? Because that one tree you can't have. That one tree. 
that one tree. So Satan, he starts lying to him. Yeah, you know what? Did, did God really say that? Are you sure God said that? And they're like, yeah. It's like, oh, well, God didn't say that. And then, then Satan does what? He lies to him. He didn't say, say that. And then Satan says, God's holding something back from you because you don't have that tree. So basically, he was trying to get Adam and Eve to think this. God, God is holding something back from you. If you just do it, you know what you'll be? You'll be like God. And what did Adam and Eve do? They went and ate, and now we're the result. The thing is, though, that story did not just happen. That story happens every day. We get caught in that same thinking. God says, there's so many things that you can, can do. But what do we always get, get focused on? The one or two things that God says we can't do. And what do we end up doing? We end up getting seduced, getting, getting tempted, and giving in because why? Satan lies, lies to you. He twists the truth on you and pretty, much, and pretty much makes you think that you're in a prison. That's... That story there did not just happen, it happens to us every single day. The Old Testament is an incredible conglomeration of stories of, yes, yes, do you know what, times have changed. They don't have cars, internet, and all of that stuff, but at the same time, people were people then, and people were people now. And what we can see in the Old Testament is we can see examples of people being people, but we need to learn from those examples. One of the greatest one is found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 20, chapter 29. Israel was God's chosen people, Old Testament. It's, the Old Testament is, is, is pretty much a conglomeration of history and personal stories documented by different writers about the nation of Israel. And what you find out as you read the Old Testament, Israel is us. Israel went through these cycles right? God would bless them. And do you know what they would, would do? They would end up putting more faith in the blessings instead of the blesser. So what, so, so what would they do? They would get prideful. And then they would say, we're going we're gonna to do, we're gonna do our own thing. And then after that, God would have to discipline them. He'd be like, look, I'm the source. What you have isn't from you. I, I gave it to you. And he'd have to discipline them. Israel, they would come back, and they'd be like, God, we're, we're sorry, we, we repent. And they would come back to God, and they would just continually repeat this same cycle all throughout the Old Testament. Isn't that us? God blesses us. Thank you, God. I don't, I don't need you now. Crap, I do need you. God disciplines us. We come back to him. It is the cycle of us. But there's this one particular story. Israel finds itself in exile. Everyone say exile. Israel finds themselves not in their home. God promised, promised his chosen people, Israel, a home. They said, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you a spot, and you're going to be blessed there. You're going to be, it's going to be awesome. Israel, though, went through their whole cycle, and right now, Israel, in Jeremiah chapter 29, finds themselves in Exile, in other words, not in their home, Jerusalem. Their home in Babylon, or, 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 or they're exiled in Babylon. 
And Israel is stuck with this dilemma. Do we come together and fight when we're in exile? Or what do, what do we do? We're not in our home. Like, what, what, do, what do we do? Like, do we form together a little posse and try to fight the Babylonian government? What do we do? And the prophet Jeremiah had some actual words for this people that honestly I think are really, really relevant for us right now where, where we are. Because look, Scripture tells us as Christ followers, we are somewhat in what? Exile. In other words, this world is not our eternal home. God has promised us something better. Check it out. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 10 through 12, it tells us this. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And this is, and this is Peter talking to the church. He said, once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. So if you are a Christ follower here, you have got to know this. This world is not your home. You're in exile. Like you are simply passing through. I heard someone say this. If you follow Christ, this world here is the closest to, to hell you'll ever get. If you don't follow God, this is the closest to heaven you'll ever get. Right? As Christ followers, this world, we're simply passing through. We're somewhat in exile. And check it out. I really think Jeremiah's words here in chapter 29 to an exiled people in, in Israel have a very powerful meaning for us today as Christ followers somewhat in exile because we are not in our eternal home, heaven yet. We are here on earth. Check it out. Jeremiah said this, Jeremiah chapter 29 says, this. this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those carried, that word also could be sent. Oops, you went from the top, sorry. We're going to start in verse 4. There you go. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle plant gardens and eat what they produce, marry and have sons and daughters, find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if not, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So basically, Jeremiah tells this 
exiled people who was in captivity, he tells them this, set up shop. I know you're not in your home. I know you're not in, in your permanent, eternal home. But do you know what you need to do? Instead of fighting, instead of, of, of kind of playing victim here, do you know what you need to do? Take the offensive route. Don't settle back and, and just be defensive and just be like, oh, woe is us. We're in exile. Let's kill ourselves. We're not home. We're not in our, in our eternal home yet. Let's, let's just give it up. Let's just, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's just stink it up. He tells them, no. You know what you need to do? Set up shop. Though you're not in your home, don't take the defensive route. And I believe this is so many relevant words for us because let's just be honest, Christians, we can all get this a woe is me attitude. World's going to hell, pastor. Hell in a handbasket. Have you watched Fox, Fox News lately? You watch CNN lately? It's going to hell. Where are we going? We're going down. Russians taking us over. World War Four, three, whatever it is, is starting. It's happening. And Christians can just get this whole mentality of Christian culture. Let's go to Christian culture. Let's, let's get away from this crazy world. It's crazy out there, y'all. Lions, tigers, bears, oh my. Let's, get, let's, just, let's, let's just retreat. We're in, we're in exile. Let's hold the fort down until Jesus comes back. Until the rapture. Growing up, my mom made us watch these crazy rapture videos. I don't know if anyone else did here. I mean, it scared the living snot out of me. I'm not going to lie. Every time a, a phone was off the light hook and it was like, dick, 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 busy, I was like, the rapture came. I didn't go. I mean, I was freaking out. And I mean, but, but dude, this is what Christians will do when, if we take the whole mentality of we're in exile, let's play defense, let's get away from everybody, they've got sin. Don't catch the disease. Get away. No, but you know what Jeremiah says here? Yeah, I know you're in exile, people. I know this isn't your home. But you know what you need to do? You need to set up shop. Don't play off. Don't play defense. Play offense. Check it out. The first thing that we need to realize here to be a church that is for our city is this number one. Number one. Numero uno, maybe Spanish would work better for you. Okay, here, here we go. <laughs> Realize you have been sent. The, the actual verbiage here, he says this, is you have been carried into exile. That word also translates sent. You have been sent into exile. I almost wonder if in God's wisdom, in God's plan, they were sent into exile for a divine purpose. And really, honestly, I believe that they were. And the same thing for us. We cannot take a defensive mentality. We have to say, do you know what? Just as Jesus was sent from do you know what, his comfy place into our hell, in the same way, we need to get out of, of what? Our comforts here and get into a world full of hell. We have to, to realize this. We have been sent here. I know you're in Newport News. 
Some of y'all might not even like this city. Some of y'all might be wondering, how in God's holy name have I ended up in Newport News? Right? Some of y'all are like, I moved here to date somebody and they dumped me. Some of y'all are like, that was me. No, I'm just <laughs> Maybe you are, you know what, here, military. You had a bunch of different tours and now you've come here and you've kind of said, we're going to set up shop here and we're, we're going to raise our family. We're going to retire and that's why you're here in Newport News. Maybe you were born here, raised here. I was born here. Kristen, she was born here. We were actually born at Riverside Hospital 11 days apart and didn't even know it. Who's older? <laughs> Kristen is. Okay, good. Yeah. She is, she's actually 11 days older than I am. I don't know why I said that. Sorry, babe. Don't hold that against me. But uh, check it out, though. Man, look, I don't care why you're here. But I believe this. It's not by accident that you're in this city. You've been sent here. Not only have you been sent to this city, if you've been sent to this church, I believe you are not here by accident. That you are here because, because of a divine purpose and a divine vision that God has given this church, not to just plant a church, but to impact a city. We are not interested in just building another church, man. There's 354 churches in Newport News. They will not designate any more land to, to churches in this city. Why? Because they don't want to give up no more tax money. They're like, we got too many churches out there. Anyway, anyway that's why we're in the theater, right? But this church needs a church that will say, we are here. We are for this city, and we want to see this city impacted, but that will only happen if instead we get out of the whole, I'm in exile, I'm trying to just hold it down until Jesus comes, but say, hey, do you know what? We're going to take the offensive mode, and we're not going to run from junk. We're going to run towards it, because Jesus did, did not run from, from, from our junk. He ran towards our junk, and just as Jesus did that for us, we're the church. We're his people. We're his hands and feet. We can't be scared. We got to run towards it. We have to realize that we are sent. You know what sent people are? Missionaries. Missionaries, we always used to think that it's some sort of, of, of foreign thing. We're going on a missions trip. Going to the Dominican Republic. Missions trip. Going to Uganda. Going on a missions trip. We need to be saying every day, missions trip, Ferguson. Missions trip. The office. Mission strip. Heritage High School. Mission strip. Elementary school. Mission strip. Newport News Water Waterworks. Missions is not a foreign thing. Missions is here and now. Missions is not something that we just say, okay, you know, missionaries can do that. If you're a Christ follower, you are a missionary. You have been sent to your job, sent to this church, sent to this store. What if all of us here, instead of saying, we're in exile, hold the fort. What if we all said, I'm called here, I'm sent here, this is my city, I'm a walking, living, breathing revival. And wherever I go, Christ goes there. Wherever I go, Jesus is there. Why? Because I'm there and Jesus lives in me. Here's the, here's the, my first pastorate in this city is not this 
this church. First off, it's my family. I pastor them first. Secondly, my neighborhood. Yeah. Our house looks like a bomb went off. I'll be real. Do you come in our front yard? Toys all over the joint. I mean, toys, water bottles, little, uh, you know, juice boxes, all over the place. Do you know what, though? I could come home and I could get mad, and there's sometimes I'm like, man. But you know what? We have the community house. We got kids coming over, and we have said this. We're going to pastor not just this church, but what? Our neighborhood. Because we don't believe that we are there by what? Accident. We believe that we've been sent there. I've told this story once or twice, maybe. Our, 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 next, door, our next door neighbors, Chris and Melissa Fitz, Fitzgerald. We moved in there four years back. And they were from the upstate New York. I don't know if you've ever been there. They're interesting people. If you're listening, Chris, love you, brother. But they're just kind of very to themselves, kind of just very whatever. Um, we lived by them for four years, and this is a long story and, and compiling it, it in here. But whenever we finally said, we're going to plant this, this church, we know the, we're going to actually step out and do this. Chris and Melissa jumped on board with us. I don't even know if they were Christian. But hey, sure, yeah, man, if you want to come help, awesome, 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 awesome. Man, we saw God do so much. And actually, they actually moved back to upstate New York about two weeks back. But, but before Chris left, I asked him. Chris accepted Christ and all that stuff. It was a long story. But Chris, I said, Chris, can I baptize you? And he was like, dude, I would absolutely love that. It was at 9.30 on Friday night. We didn't know where to go. It was like 20 degrees outside. We're like, where are we going to go and baptize? And I was like, what about One Life Fitness? <laughs> they got a pool. Let's, let's go to One Life Fitness and baptize you. He's like, awesome, man. Let's go. We look. I'm like, man, it's Friday night, 9.30. They got no people in the pool area. Like, man, there's going to be no one there. Closes at 10. It's going to shut, shut down. We get there, and there's like eight people in the pool. I'm like, really? But I was like, dude, man, we're going to just do this, man. We took them out there. We get in the pool. We go in there. We baptize them, and people start clapping. People in the pool area, they, they, you, know, you know, they just start clapping. They're, they're thankful. And it was amazing what God did in them. But here's the deal. Why? Is, is, is because we believe we're sent there. That it's not just by, by coincidence that, that the Ware family moved into this house. We believe that we were sent there. What would change in your life if you saw yourself as being sent to this city instead of in exile in this city. Guys, I pray that your eyes would be open to see we're sent here. We are sent here. Secondly, I got to hurry. Oh my God, it's 11.05. Why, Jesus? Secondly, secondly, Jeremiah says this. He says, build houses and settle down, man. Plant gardens, eat, have fun. Peace and process. Basically, what he's telling them here is set up shop and build strong families. Marriage, kids. I know kids are the devil. Okay, I'm, I'm just kidding. I love kids. Kids are awesome. Kids are the biggest blessing and the biggest burden. But, dude, let me tell you, don't shy from having kids. 
And I know different financial, oh, well, we got a girl like, yes, hallelujah, she wants seven, so I know she wants more. They got four, and she wants seven. You got some work to, to do, brother, all right? I'm just, just saying, you better get on that, all right? No. Check it out, though, man. There is, you can have no bigger, no bigger lifelong, life-impacting influence than you can have on your children. They, you can raise them up and train them up and do what? Send them. It's what? missionaries into their culture not put them in this christian bubble not saying you can't watch uh you know care bears not, not saying you, you you can't you know but 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 it's like look raising them up and training them up and sending them out to make a difference for christ in this world he tells them build strong families secondly he tells them this seek the peace and welfare of that city that word peace there is so much more than just the absence of, conf of, of conflict. This there means this. Seek the peace. It means the wholeness, the human flourishing in every single department. Seek the betterment of every human being in your city. Here's the deal. I, I know Lifehouse Church, we can't do everything. We can't feed every hungry person. We can't, we can't give every person that doesn't have a job a job. We, we can't do all of it, but here's the deal. We can do something. And if every church just did something, 354 churches in the city, what if, 354, what if we just had five churches adopt one school? Yeah, that would maybe be like 100 churches, 200 churches, 154 left over. And we said, we're going to serve this school. We're going to love this school. We're not trying to, to get nothing from you. We're just going to serve. If you need people mentoring kids if you need school supplies whatever you need we got your back how do you think possibly that could change the future of newport news here's the deal we can do something whatever leads to human flourishing jeremiah tells them be about it before that city get the gang act, act get the gang activity down get the crime down feed Feed, feed the poor. Work towards racial reconciliation. Whatever leads to human flourishing, let's be about it. But then he says something awesome. He says, pray for the city. Isn't that insane? Jeremiah says, you're in exile in basically a, a place where people have taken you captive. What Jeremiah tells him to do, pray for that city. Basically, he's telling them what Jesus was going to tell, to tell, all, of, uh, to tell all of his followers, which was pray for those who persecute you. Pray for your enemies. Jeremiah said, pray for that city. Here's the deal. Prayer is so much more than just like, give me, give me, give me. See, we always think prayer is all about us. God, give me my list of wants. Give me my list of what I need. God, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. If that is all your prayer is, dude, you're missing it. Prayer is so much more about you gaining God's perspective than God giving you what you want. Prayer is getting the Father's heart. What prayer does, it helps you to see through eyes of faith instead of just sight. Faith will give you vision. Faith will give you burden. Prayer will give you faith. Prayer will give you a burden for the city. What if we all said, instead of putting this city down, said, I'm going to pray for this city? Prayer also helps you to see beauty. Prayer helps you to, to see what can be instead of what has been. And let's just be honest, Newport News, it's got a good reputation. Bad news, right? Like, we can put Newport News down all 
day long. But what if we had a people that said, we're not going to see it that way. We're going to see Newport News through eyes of faith. And that only comes whenever we say, God, give me a heart for what makes your heart for God, give me a burden. Let me see things the way that you see them. And that only comes by spending time with the Father instead of you saying, God, I want this new Benz. God, I want this new house. Yo, God, if you could give me a brand new girlfriend because this girl's crazy. It's like, you know, what, whatever you're asking God for, what if you turned your prayers into, God, give me your heart for what matters? Num number three, Josh, you can come up or... I don't know who's, who's coming up, but we need to end. It's 1110. They got, I think, I, I think they've got movies showing here at 12. <laughs> so we got to hurry. Number three, though, Jeremiah tells them, he's, he says this, and this might seem kind of, kind of just like, I don't know, out of place. He says, though, do not let the prophets and diviners among you de deceive you. Do not listen to their dreams that you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. Jeremiah is basically telling them, look, don't serve false gods. As we seek to go and love this city and be for this city and serve this city, we always got to do it with this here. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. We're not doing this just because we feel like we're doing this because of what Jesus has done for us. We are simply responding to what Jesus has done. And you know, there is going to be lines in the sand drawn where it's like we're not going to bow down to some other God in order to make our city better. We're doing our, we, are, we want to make our city better because of what Jesus has done for us. And basically, Jesus told, told his followers this in John chapter 15. He said, you need to be in the world, but not of it. It's such an important statement right there. In, not of. There's such a huge difference. In, not of means this. We don't run from, we dive into, but we don't become like what we are around. Jesus did that. They called Jesus a glutton and drunkard. Why? Not because he ate all the time and drank all the time. Why? Because Jesus hung out with people that did that. Right? Jesus was sinless. But the sinless one went and dove into sinners' worlds. Why? Not to become like them, but to show them ultimately who God was. We've got a world of people out here that are waiting for you and me to dive in not so we can get drunk with them not so we can be wild and crazy not so we can do all that but to get into their world so they can see a living breathing walking example of who god is and what god is like in not of we set the line straight we're serving jesus line is set but do you know what? We're going to be for this city. We're going to be in this city. That's why I always say, say this. And, and kind of what our church is always going to kind of be like is we're going to be outward focused. If one of you came to me and you were like, what if we should start a Christian hiking ministry? I'm going to tell you, no. 
go find hikers that don't know Jesus and hike with them. Don't smoke with them. Don't get drunk on the mountain with them. Don't go crazy with them. Love them. Serve them. Invite them to Lifehouse. Be with them, but don't be of them. I'm going to tell you, no, you ain't starting no Christian backpacking ministry here. We don't need another Christian bubble. We don't need another Christian culture. You know what we need? Christians that will say, I'm sent here. I have a purpose here, and it is not to be in a bubble. It is to get out of my bubble and get into people's lives that need Jesus. If you come to me and say, I want to start a Christian running association. Yo, go to Point 2, whatever that place is called. Point 2 running company. Join a group there and build relationships there. That's what I'm going to tell you. I started playing kickball. I didn't say, I'm going to have a Christian kickball association. CKA. Who wants to join? No. No. Do you see where I'm coming, coming from, y'all? I feel like I can just be up, up here yelling sometimes. But I pray that you see my heart. We're going to be for this city. As a church, we're going to say not, we're going to not run from people's mess. We're going to run towards it. We're not going to get in our Christian bubbles, our Christian cultures. We're going to say we're going to dive in and strive to be in, not of. Is that, is that risky? Absolutely. That is very risky. But at the same time, if Jesus did it, we can do it. We're not going to do it perfectly because we're not perfect like Jesus was. But by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, the same spirit that was in Christ lives in us. We can do it, and we can make an impact, and we can see this city impacted in whatever God wants to work through Lifehouse for his honor and for his glory. Amen? Would you stand up with me really, really quick? God is for this city. Lifehouse is for this city. But I also want to let you know God is for you. When Jesus went and died on the cross, he forever declared through eternity past, eternity present, eternity future, that God is for you he loves you he died on the cross and with his arms stretched out wide he said i love you i'm for you i am not against you i i want to give you life and life abundantly and my question is is are you for him are you for him simply means this have you given your life to christ and surrendered your life to christ I'm not asking, do you go to church? I'm not asking, have, have you prayed once? I'm not asking, is, is your boyfriend Christian? I'm asking you, have you ever surrendered your life to Christ and said, Jesus, I'm for you. I want to be on your team. Because Jesus has already spoken. He's for you. He loves you. He wants the best for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Really, really quick. I just want to give you the opportunity.